0: guys, welcome back to the Back Yourself show. Last week we had on Eamon Carey from Techstars and he was sensational. He gave us some really great stories about how he became a founder, why he invests in people and why it's so important and how you can affect that. But also, what are good reasons to raise money? What are bad? And also, where's the next money back? So that's a great story and a great episode. It's been our most successful in terms of downloads by a country mile. Let's keep that progression. I really appreciate everyone who shared and liked. Now, during the week, I sent out a shout out on Twitter and thank you to everyone on Twitter and LinkedIn who reached out to me to ask to be on the show. Really great. We've got so many great people lined up who are founders or investors who have a really different view of the world or some really candid advice to give. And that's what we want to keep coming with. So if you are a founder or an investor in the space, in the early stage, because that's who we support and love, please drop me a note. But also, if you have a question that you want answered, really great questions came in this week about, about PR, about writing pitch decks, about filling out forms to apply for accelerators or funds. Really simple stuff, but something there's a bit of a veil over and a little bit of black magic behind. So... Please keep those coming. They're really great. You can get me at, at @backyourselfpod on Twitter. @backyourselfpod. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not. I'm just not cool enough. Um, now, this week on the show, we have two people who turned a quite embarrassing moment into something really exceptional and have created really one of the sort of the darlings of the startup industry. They've won countless awards and fundamentally what they had was just two of them in a room with a couple of laptops that's really what they had and they turned that experience into a success what i find particularly interesting about this episode is the way that they break down how empathy and testing with your advertising can lead to such huge success success so please enjoy the show drop me some comments afterwards let me know what you thought and please like and share and subscribe thanks a lot Guys, thanks so much for coming on. Um, We have a really core philosophy here, which is so simple. We believe that people, if they have a passion, they should pursue that passion and control their own destiny. And like the show says, they should back themselves. You are two people that I have known for a good deal of time. And I'm so pleased to see the most astronomical success that you've had doing exactly that. So just before we get into it, imagine we're on a first date. Introduce yourselves to me and tell me what you do. Starting with the big man. T. Martin,
1: we're on a first date and this is how you dress, Tom.
0: (laughs) Really? You've got you. you (laughs) I'll take that. Go. Tell me, what do you do, big man?
1: What 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 do I do? Um, uh, like what? Tom really does very little. That's very little. little. Okay, That's, that's what I do. Yeah, I like to. I like to guide. The like Endeavor, I like to inspire. You like to coach? I,
2: li- I like to mentor. Yeah.
1: Um, I like to motivate. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, anything that can be done through the medium of WhatsApp without leaving the house. You That's like gifts much. as well. Like uh, yeah. Finding the right
2: gift. Yeah. The, I, I the think right having
1: a good bank of memes mm-hmm. is an essential tool of any C-suite leader these days. I don't see how you can run a company without them. And I think a lot of people
0: can relate to that um, uh, because many people have probably experienced your giffage. (laughs) Yeah. And um, thanks so much for sharing that one. And now to the real talent in the room, Brie, why don't you (laughs) tell me, now that we've had that wonderful opening from Tom, what you're doing?
2: Um, So we do something really simple, which is we sell tights to people who want to wear tights. Good market. You know, it's it's a a simple thing, but tights historically haven't fitted. So 90% of women and probably a higher percentage of men can't find tights that fit. And we've redesigned tights. We changed them around. We've made them actually fun to wear, nice to wear, comfortable to wear and actually fit and stay up all day. So it's been a bit of a journey. So we've been trading 17 months and we've gone from zero to... 1.8 1.8 million in 17 months, a month, like 1.8 million a month, not in total. Holy f- a lot
0: more in total. F- okay. Right. We need to dig straight into that. That is insane. Okay. Right. So first of all, let's take a few steps back and start at the beginning here. So your background, I'm, you're not a tights designer by trade. That's not your background. Where are we? What is your, where are you? What did you do before?
2: Um, so I used to run businesses and do marketing for high growth businesses.
1: Okay, but lifetime tights wearer. Lifetime tights. I was passionate about the product
2: until I couldn't find tights that fit at all anymore. So you know that was a, a bit of a turning point.
0: I've got a um have got a theory here that we that every business starts with one of two sentences. Wouldn't it be better if, or wouldn't it be cool if, like, wouldn't it be cool if? Tom and I could start a boy band, or wouldn't it be better if? Oh my god,
2: I c- that would be the worst boy band ever. Uh, wow. We could be Tom
0: Squared. Tom Squared. Yes, Tom. Tom. Yeah. Okay, We'll, we'll work T-squared. on that. We'll talk T-two. about that. We'll talk about that. T-two. We'll talk about that off air. I'll leave a link for our first YouTube mm-hmm. video. Um, but
1: I could, I could
0: get one of those. Problems. And um, <laughs> no. more importantly, you had a, but like, it, wouldn't it be better if I could wear tights so that didn't fall down? Now you had a particular story, that, an experience which made you jump into this, right?
2: Yes. So um, I was walking down the street um, called George Street in Edinburgh, which is a very fancy pants shopping. Lovely. Street. I know it. Yeah. Um, and everybody there is all dressed the nines and is all very judgy. And I was walking down the street and my tights fell off. Um, and okay. they, kept, they kept falling down and I kept trying to pull them up. And eventually there came a point where I knew I wasn't going to be able to pull them up anymore. So I had to take my shoes off and then I had to take my tights off. And then in my head, I went, oh, I bet nobody saw that. Turned around and there were like a hundred people watching me.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: Um, And then I went on to talk to my friends about this because it's one of those embarrassing moments that if you you don't forget, you didn't talk about would just like chew your insides and you would turn into some kind of like self-hating devil. Um, I talked to loads of women about it and it turned out it wasn't just me, that everybody couldn't find tights that fit. And everybody thought it was them and not the tights that were wrong. So everybody thought they had a weird body or it was, you know, their shape that tights didn't fit. And actually it was tights that were broken, not
0: people. I love that. So you basically just, and it's something that, look, as a complete tight-based moron, I, or general moron, I had, it's not a problem that I thought was a thing. Like you see people hoiking all the time and you sort of look at it and think, oh, well, that's tights. That's what people have to do. But you were like... No, there's something more to this that I can fix this problem. So, what was that first step that you did? You're like, okay, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go fix this problem. What do you do first?
2: So I went and I bought all the tights that I could find. So I bought all the M&S tights, all the Primark tights, every shop I could get to, put them all together and tried to work out why they didn't fit. And
0: Just you personally, just like you just yeah, do your own yeah. research.
2: Um, and then, you know, measured a whole lot of them, tried to understand it and worked out that basically the width of all of the tights was the same. So they just varied in length. So the width, the of, width them, of the... An extra, extra, extra small t- pair. And an extra, extra, extra large pair were the same.
1: The the waist was the same size? Yeah, it
2: was the same size. So no wonder it doesn't fit anyone. So So
1: the assumption is that all women have the same size waist and they just vary by length of leg. Because obviously that's how people are constructed, right? Yes.
0: Wow. I did not know that. How insanely stupid.
2: Yeah. So, and that was basically the fundamental. There's some other things that we did to tights as well. But the main one is that we changed... The width of the tights. So it's the width of the thigh and the leg all the way through, as well as then the waist. So they fit different size people. So they fit very small people better. They fit larger people better. and tall people better. Tall people better. Short people better. You know, everyone that isn't a, you know, five foot 10 size eight, which is probably the 10% of people that don't have problems
0: with their tights. I think I am that size. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Shorten so for a size eight. I am easily a six.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um, I don't. OK, so that's that. And so that's really great. So you did that and you figured out this problem. But what do you do next? You can't be like, OK, fine. I mean, do you, how do you go about you going and building your own tights?
2: We well, start to find, you know, you start to talking to manufacturers, understanding why tights can't be built differently and all sorts of things like that. And eventually found, you know, people that had, you know, the ability to create tights which would fit differently. And it took about two years to get to that point of researching it and finding the right people mm. and eventually got there and then, you know.
1: So, so no, nobody makes their own tights anymore. So, so the last brand that made their own tights was Pretty Polly, um, based in the Midlands, and they went out of business in 2016. So, so all tights now, wherever you buy them from, are bought from third party manufacturers who we are either in Italy, Poland, Turkey or China.
0: That's really interesting. I think what's really beautiful about that story, I think, is that <clears throat> there's nothing like most people will go into that scenario and be like, certainly as I was before we started having this conversation and be like, I don't know anything about tights. There's literally no way that I could open a tights company. But you were like, well, neither did you. But, nothing, but if, to be there's fair, no- I think I know
2: everything about everything. So <laughs> like-
0: that, is, that is true. We did have a conversation off air about quizzing. And I could feel your confidence, um, but there is no. But you're in this situation where I think I love that you should have the confidence to be like, well, I don't know, but I can learn it. Everything that you are have in your brain right now has been learned at some point. So how is this any different? And I love that you said, well, actually, let's find out the inconsistencies. Let's find out what the problems are. Let's go and fix it. I love that attitude. But then you're at that point where you're like, i well, so you've sort of you've done your market validation first, didn't you? Like you were texting your mates and being like, well, is anyone else having this problem? You find out why that problem's there. And then you're like, well, let's go and find someone to build this mm. now. So that means you're getting a product down pat. I bet that didn't happen straight away.
2: Yeah, so we had some people that were trying the product. So we, we tried it on with all our products. We fit them on real people. Wait, so,
0: so you wait, So you found a manufacturer who made your, your design. Yeah. Okay. And you got some of your mates to try this on, test them out, just like basic focus group stuff. Yeah,
2: exactly. And, you know, and actually they were, they were quite right quite quickly. So there wasn't a lot of issues around them. But it's still now we test everything on real people. So, you know, you can test it on a mannequin. You can test it. They have these big pairs of fake legs that you can get. But we always find it's best to have them on a real person. More and get Of real feedback. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we still test in exactly the same way. I love Tom's her. our size D
0: tester. Size D, size D. Yep. D for Devil, delicious. It
1: comes after C and before E. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, less exciting than I expected. Yeah. Okay, fine. D for Delta, I guess. Yeah. Okay, we'll work if you on to it, be Greek we'll, about it. We'll, work, we'll work.
0: We'll work. We'll work on a cooler name. Okay. So if you, so you, you, run through that testing process. How long did that take from you've had that incident to you've got your product?
2: It's about about two, two years, a little bit longer than that.
0: Because you both Yeah, work, about, about
1: 18, 18 months. Yeah, something
0: like yeah. that. And, you, and, you, and Tom, you were, I mean, you, you're, a, you're a techie. I mean, I know you as being a... I,
1: I think that's a very generous interpretation. You describe
0: yourself course. as an architect, but not that kind of architect. Exactly, yeah.
1: No, no, no one that knows anything about tech, so... I don't know where to go with that. Okay, um, <laughs> so, so,
0: and, but you two met each other and you were like, look, and I and I know that before you guys were running a, a, a digital marketing yeah. agency. That was kind of your background. That was your bread and butter, um, and I imagine this year a bit like, well, actually I've got the two, I can solve the two problems here. I've got a product and traction's going to be the hard bit, but you're like, well, actually I've already got that bit down pat, which is, I often think is the harder part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So what happened next? And I, I know how this particular story ends and I, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. on, oh,
2: this is your well, the website in two
1: hours in the pub. Well, so, so we found a product and, and we raised a bit of money. So we raised about hundred thousand um, for, like, set up and... and friends and family? And yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, Breeze friends and family, because my friends and family don't have 100 grand lying around. Um And then we kind of got to a point where we were kind of putting everything off. So we, we've, we've, we were planning the photo shoot for ages, but it wasn't quite happening. We weren't making that happen um we had the product so the product was lined up to go the fulfillment was lined up to go but just just taking that final step is like a big scary thing so, can, so, abs- kind of, so many people can relate so it kind, kind of like found we were procrastinating on it and in the end we just went right it's the middle of march we're going to launch before the end of march so we set up a photo shoot in two weeks well i advice, i found um the most awesome producer of photo shoots uh-huh. In about two days, who then set up a photo shoot how for did two you do, how did you find them google. Um, like google yeah um, but nice. we got we got so actually we found the photographer um, that we wanted because this was a guy who specialized in like sort of plus size photography and, and didn 't just do do skinny people, and it was his manager. Um, awesome lady called Jess Guest, who I recommend for anyone who needs photo shoot organising. Shout out to Jess Guest. Um, who, who just arranged everything, like, like sorted out all the other talent, sorted out the location, made everything happen on the day, was just incredible. So we did photo shoot in two weeks, and then we did the photo shoot on the Tuesday. On the Thursday, we started getting the images, and we were like, right, okay, probably need to build a website now, because we're, what, four days away from the mm. end of the month, which was at Deadline. Wait, so, so so four days away yep.
0: from launch, you've yep. got
1: no website, correct? And you're a brand-led business, Yep, correct. So then uh, we were in the Victoria Bar and Grill.
2: Victoria Bar which, and Grill. Again,
1: shout out to the Victoria Bar and Grill. Great I place. love that place. Yeah, absolutely. Great sports coverage, like all the sports channels. Mm. Always a good place to sit. Breakfast
2: it. is amazing. Yeah, breakfast
1: is awesome. Where is um, it? It's Victoria in Victoria Station. Station. Oh, at Victoria Station. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So we're there. Um, and I was like, we should really start working on the website. Then Brie um, had like a little domestic like drama going on and, and went off on the phone. And she came back about two hours later. And I was like, I'll finish the website. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's so we the went, website we used to And so we went live. That simple? Yeah. You had all... I mean... Great, <laughs> great. Not a lot of people can can say the same. Um, but uh, if it doesn't work out, your web design services are available.
1: What? <laughs> but it what, it's so all.
0: What was your, okay, So okay, being serious, what was your strategy when you were building that website? Because like, if something takes you two hours to do, it sounds like it's going to be rubbish. But I know from seeing the website, it's not. So you must have thought to yourself, like, what am I trying to achieve here? What do I need this to do a so, little bit more?
1: So the strategy was not to put anything on there that isn't required for people to buy the tights. So at this point, we've got four colours in I six sizes, that. right?
2: Because well, somebody challenged you and said, you can't have a one-page website. You can't buy directly off the first well, page of a website. And yeah. you went, that's not true. And then yeah. you built one. Why on earth not? Well,
1: exactly. Yeah. So why, why? So if that's all we've got, why am I going to make you look at one page and then go, oh, would you like to come and see another page? Would you like to click through? Would you like what? Just like we're a tights company. Here's some pictures of people's in tights. Here's our product. Would you like to buy our tights? Something really brilliant about this, and like there's a real consistency to both of your attitudes, which I really love.
0: Which is a philosophy, which I think that perpetuates with you, and I've always experienced it when speaking with you, is that you, you're just like, why is it that way? Why do I have to do it that way? Why can't it be a different way? I think there's something in that about <clears throat> that's probably what's led to your success. Is that you're constantly questioning. You're always saying like, well, you have to have multiple pages. Why the fuck do I have to have multiple pages? types of shit why do they have to be shit you know why do i i, I imagine when people said oh, you need to have a huge range or you have to have millions of colors and you, all this stuff you're probably like fuck you i just why yeah and it, and it worked, right yeah. so you had that two days two days before launch you're there four, i'm sorry i exaggerated um so four days from launch yes. you go websites up how do you launch
2: you launched. what Launches. does that mean then we decided
1: just to launch that day because, like, the website was ready. He <laughs> so did it early. Yeah, so first company show, in history. So I, so I, I showed Bree the website. Do you like the website? Website's fine. So we put the website live. So at that point, anyone can go on the website and buy. or oh, No one is going to. Because well, no one what knows. What we thought. But then <laughs> this lady... Well, no, because then you did your magic with the Facebook ads. Yeah. So then we made some, made some Facebook ads, put them live, and we got our... So we did that about 8 o'clock. Yeah. 8, 9 o'clock we finished, and we had the first genuine proper order from a real person we didn't know, 11 o'clock that evening?
2: Book of Eleanor. Book of
1: the of Book of Eleanor, of Eleanor yeah. the hero of oh, snag tights. Yeah. So that's, that's fascinating. So you had
0: the, the, the sort of the key traction point there. Now, look, you've got a great product. You've got a website. You know the mentality and the psychology of your customers. So once they get on that page, you're winning them and you're converting them. You thought that bit through thoroughly. Let's not underestimate how important that is. But then you're getting in front of people. Now, the first time you were ever described to me by my good friend Tom here many years ago was he said, I'm working with this girl who can do some black magic on, <laughs> on Facebook. I misunderstood what he meant. But now I see <laughs> that he's genuinely, genuine sorcery. So what did you do that was so different? And what tips do you have for people about making that, that work so effectively, so quickly? And also, like you didn't have huge budget either.
2: So it's about really it comes down to having a conversation with people. So, you know, there are just people and there's you and you're talking to them and you need to do that in the most effective way possible. You need to do it in a way that's engaging. You need to listen to what they say back to you. And that's really the only difference. So, you know, you put an ad out there and the picture of the person looks like the person that's viewing the ad, you know. It's written in a tone of voice that they get and that they understand. And when they click through... They actually, get to an easy to use, you know, easy to understand website, and it's all about making it simple for them. And if they comment on it and go, You know, well, I hate this ad, or you know, that shit, or anything like that, you go, Oh, right, sorry, didn't realize that, we'll change that, and thank you for your feedback. And we still answer every single comment we get on every single ad, on every single Instagram post, on every Facebook post, anybody that writes to us in any way, we comment back on because we listen to it
1: all. We're so famous now. We get letters. We got got an actual letter from a lovely lady the other day. Um, Had she seen the WI thing? Yeah. Yeah, We we did um, uh, an advert in the WI magazine, and this lady sent us a lovely letter, Mm -hmm. and she sent us a check, bless her, because she'd seen the ads, didn't have a computer, didn't know how to order online, so she sent us a check and said, please can I have some tights? So we sent her some
0: tights. High five to that woman. I know, Amazing. Right? I love that. How incredible. So that's, I mean, so wonderful. So I love that, that mentality there it's a conversation. And there's something you said there that I think's really fascinating is you had an image of your, the person you were speaking to effectively, the same type of person in the image, mm-hmm. which is so funny because like, you think about how other people do it. Like if you look at an advert for a gym, like, they've got, you know, like an Adonis on the poster when the people who are going to the gym, it's a really tiny percentage of people who have that. Or like if you look at, you know, um, well, anything like clothing brands and so forth, they they give you obviously that aspirational figure. But like, you know, you sort of go in there and you feel like, well, that's not me. That's not how I dress. You know, it's, um, I love that. And I can absolutely see why that resonated with people because a lot of people find, I don't know, you probably know more about this, but I think a lot of people find buying clothes quite an intimidating process because you're like, I'm not a stylish guy, right? And you feel like you're getting it wrong. What's that? No argument there. Uh, Thanks for that, Tom. Really appreciate that. You're the one with the the buckles on your shoulders. You're you're
1: the one who turned up for a first date looking like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That bird again. Okay.
1: People do. And
2: we did a a survey recently about it and I don't have the exact stats, but people were saying, you know, shopping in shops has driven them to absolute tears. Like a huge percentage of people. Because it's just, it's hard to find stuff that fits you. You feel intimidated when you work, walk in. Yeah, We've had people talk to us about how they feel like they're being bullied by clothes brands. You know, that you've got these, you have to look this way to wear my clothes.
1: And my clothes are not for you or people mm. like you. Yeah. Which is a form of bullying, right? You yeah. like, B- Book of Eleanor, um, yeah. who, who remains a loyal supporter of the brand. Um, we, did, we did an Instagram post because we were going out for more investment and, we, and we, we did an Instagram post, said to our customers, you know, what would what would you, if you were us and you were going for investment, what would you say to investors about the brand? And, and Booker Eleanor came back saying she felt like clothing brands hated her. Yeah. She literally felt like they were deliberately trying to marginalise her and mm-hmm. humiliate her and make her life a misery. And then when Snag came along, she was like, finally, this is someone who actually wants me to have nice, comfy clothes I can wear. Yeah. But you think about what that says about an industry that someone can you know, go through their life feeling like that industry actively hates her. That's, her. that's her retail experience.
0: I think that's fascinating. And from a business perspective, something you said there is absolutely inspired. You asked your customers how they would describe their experience of working before you for your pitch deck. What better way so to talk to, send to get the, get the investors problem?
2: straight to the Instagram feed with you know that they commented? I said, look at what people are saying about this is, us. This is what people. Want I love to that about transparency.
0: Us. More people mm-hmm. should have that courage to do that. Like, and if you're because they're your they're your customers, they're your advocates. I love that. In the current climate,
2: marketing is hard, but do you know what not hard making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much.
0: How quickly did it grow from that moment? So you've got that, you've gone through the Facebook ads. I know you had quite accelerated success, but how quickly did it grow? What kind of numbers did we see there? First order at eleven o'clock yeah. on the first night or minus four so, as it was.
1: I mean it's it's interesting because you you go through this series of plateaus. So so first order, six ninety nine, one pair of six ninety-nine. And then you start to get a few more. And we were happy with like fifty quid. If you made fifty quid in a day, that was like, you know, ten orders. And you you're ecstatic. So you go through the first month. And you're looking for 50 quid, and then you have your first 100 pound day. Um, and then you kind of get used to that, and then you're starting to set different milestones. So it was like, I think 10,000 in a week was really the first big wow. psychological. How, which how, we did, what, how soon was that? Three, four months in, yeah, like 10,000 in a week, yeah, because I mean, four months
0: in, 10,000 in a week,
1: yeah, yeah. Gee, and wow. then and then and then you kind of. You, it, but it just graduated so as soon as you get to 10,000 in a week you're like we want 50,000 in a week now that took a bit longer so what's that? 200k so we went six months in Yeah. 50,000 in a week and then now we're 17 months in and it's 50,000 in a day yeah. which is just crazy you get
0: 50,000 orders no, 50,000 pounds 50,000 pounds a day 50,000 pounds a day
1: so, more than a day. Than that. so, so, so. we're doing about 3,000 orders a day so 3,000 orders a day
0: and how long how long's snag been going? 17 months. 17 months and you're getting 3,000 orders a day. That is eye-wateringly successful. I don't even know how to deal with that. I can't even compute how successful that is. And I think you... What's really interesting there is you say about these continual plateaus and new targets. So are you just relentlessly trying to win new business, but also keep your existing customers? Like your churn rate, I imagine, is quite low because yeah, you, are, quite you have a great product.
2: Yeah, so we've got about a 70% repeat rate. So 70% of people that buy product. I don't know again. about
0: the market. Is that high? Yeah. Incredibly yeah. high. Okay, what would so be like industry standard?
2: 10%, something like that. So it's, it is really, really high. So
0: and what's that down to? because
2: the product works yeah sure and okay. you know people like it and well, they want the, more the pro- product
1: works and it. also tights as, as a wear out as an item a, a they wear out but B it's the kind of thing you can have 20 pairs of so, yeah. so as, we add, as we add in more colours people will buy more the mm. you know, same customers will come back buy more colours because then they've got different options with their wardrobe so it's inherently a multi-purchase Products, um, yeah, sure, commodity I mean, yeah, sure. you know you, you yep. buy thinner ones for the summer or you buy chub rub for the summer so mm-hmm. Um, once, you, once you're selling a quality product to customers who previously couldn't get a product they were satisfied with, of course they're going to be loyal. Of course they're yeah. going to keep coming back. We, so many of our customers, like, like, on a daily basis, we will get messages from people saying, I had given up wearing skirts and dresses because I couldn't get tights that fit. And you get people who say, I haven't worn skirts or dresses for 20 years, 30 years, 40, 40 years, like, like, literally, and they're like, you have changed my life. Because now they can wear all these different clothes, now they feel completely different. It's just extraordinary what the difference between a good fitting product and a bad fitting product makes. I
0: like that. It's something, that, yeah, there's, I think it's, there's definitely something key there in that if you can get people to emotionally engage with what you're selling, and you really are, that there is a
1: real connection to building that confidence again to wear the I, clothes I, you see, want. I, I genuinely think that's the wrong way around. Oh, you to do? Look at it. Okay. So, Because you just said, if we can get people to emotionally engage with what we're selling, it's not that. If you can sell something that people will be emotionally engaged by. Uh, No, no, yeah, yeah. I know, you're right.
0: You're right. No, I agree with you. I'm wrong. That's absolutely the right way to look at it. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I agree.
1: We're we're just selling tights. But it's the fact that people can't – our tights fit, our brand represents them, whereas previous brands don't, previous tights don't fit – that's what makes the emotional connection. It's not really anything we're doing around the emotion of it. It's their lived experience to that point is the type brands hate them. Yeah. And then we come along and we just, we don't hate them. We actually quite like them I and we nice. give them, <laughs> we give them good product. No, I love that. And so
0: you, and you, you continuing to grow, obviously at quite a serious rate. And you talk about plateaus. So, what what is what is the factors that you focus on as a business to try and move you to the next level? Is it bringing in new regions? Because I bet that there's no market in the world where people don't wear tights, right? Like everybody has legs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: So I mean, well, we haven't
0: cracked France yet.
2: No, France people
0: bitchy there. Um. Okay. Okay. We'll 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 cut out the racism. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, yeah, so I, I think when we talk plateau, so far it's not been a plateau of demand, it's been a plateau of the ability to supply. So we've run right. out of product. Yeah. We've, um,
0: and you guys aren't supply and chain specialists. This isn't your game, right? So
2: no, so we're learning a lot very, yeah. very quickly. Um, we're in a much better situation now, but we ran out of um, product basically entirely for six weeks. Um,
0: wow, how'd you deal with that? That must be tough.
2: It was hard. Um, and, you know, dealing with the customers through that period that want to buy tights and we don't have any and just being really um, transparent with them and explaining what had happened and when we were going to get stuff back in stock and how that all worked was really important but you get the plateaus we've had have been about you know supply and constraints around being able to dispatch enough product you know all of those things Um, in terms of demand we still see an absolute linear upward you know curve in terms Mm. of we spend and you know more people want to you know want to have tights that fit and the market for hosiery is massive it's Thirty-eight billion dollars. Wow! So wow. you know we think we've grown a lot, but thirty-eight billion dollars and ninety percent of people say that the product doesn't fit them.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's just a huge yeah, market. It's, it's it's the right time.
2: So <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot more scope.
1: I in mean, there. I, I think for for me, the key thing is looking at your acquisition cost. So, so our acquisition cost is coming down over time. Now, what that says is we're not even getting close to um to hitting the limits of demand so every every plateau we've ever had has been related to supply if your acquisition cost starts to go up then you can start to say right it's getting more expensive for me to find people who who engage with the brand who are willing to buy maybe there's more competition whatever whatever but as long as the acquisition cost is is level or coming down that means we, we aren't anywhere near being constrained by demand. It's all about our ability to fulfil that demand.
0: Yeah, and you'll, you'll be modest about it, but I know you two are both incredibly uh, sort of data-driven people. You both come from a background of mining data and complex things like that. And I imagine that probably must help you with being relentless with your making sure your acquisition costs are right and you're getting it in the right market and getting the right people. And also for supply chain, it's got to be hugely beneficial. Yeah for you guys so what's next what's the next big thing for snag other than now you are officially the best entrepreneur in the universe isn't that the title you just won for barclays or something like that
2: oh, i wish someone would give me that one that would be really good we'll
0: make one on the show yeah, yeah we'll make one really on the show. we'll make one on the show yeah. although tom and i shared it last year yeah yeah what is it what is it going to be
1: <laughs> what did um, you win
2: so we won startup entrepreneur of the year
1: boom and a big name, Barclays thank, as well. Thank you, Barclays. Yeah, thank you, Barclays. Yeah, and thank you to Trevor McDonald for doing such a great job of uh, of presenting the award. Sir well. Trev, big man, amazing. He's great. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. So what? Yeah. So what's the next? What's the next thing for you guys? What's the next step? Oh, Germany. Germany. Means- Germany. Germany. Germany's yeah. the one.
1: No. So, so so we've done. So we we expanded internationally nine months ago. Yeah. Started selling internationally uh australia is going really well yeah. again th- things that you don't expect didn't really expect australia to be as as strong a, a market as it is but that's going really really well
2: also snag means sausages there yeah. which they seem to find adorable yeah, <laughs> I, love
0: yeah. I love that i love that And i have sausage legs so i can see why yeah, yeah got um, it. so show
1: your snags means a very different thing on <laughs> australian instagram um and it also means sausage dog yeah So that was the other thing we 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 had like an Instagram feed which was basically tights 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 sausage dog tights 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 sausage dog. Mm. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. So so we've been international for about nine months. America's just just in its infancy, but but looking good. But we're about to launch our first non-English website. So we are going German
2: strump
1: hosen strump hosen strump hosen strump yeah, yeah. Is that, the is word that, is, of the month is, is that
0: snag in that's no that's tights. tights oh tights, tights. So, so snag yeah.
1: strump yeah i'm in yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um so that's exciting so we've never done it. so everything Apparently has to Germany's be the
0: second biggest tights market in
2: the yeah. world after so, uh, the u.s
1: after the u.s i didn't now that's an interesting fact for anyone who takes away this
0: from the show it's um, to know but yeah, that. I
1: mean that means like customer service emails in German, everything in German. So going into are you setting up language. operation
0: there? Or have you got someone over here who's no, a native no, speaker? Still,
1: still going to like fulfil it out of same place. So, so, we just so do just everything dispatch from here, but it just means interact, having that conversation with German customers, <coughs> fully in German, end to end.
0: Fine. There's one thing now I want to pick up on before we get to the final bit of the show, um, and you just touched on it really quickly there. Your business model is quite interesting because you're. Like, you don't really have an office.
2: No, we don't have an office.
0: You're basically a laptop. Series <laughs> of We're a digital business. Yeah. We're a digital native e-commerce
1: business. Yeah.
0: Which is just f- incredible for you guys to have 3,000 orders a month. 50,000. A day. Sorry, a day. Sorry, my bad. A day. And you are basically operating via your laptops and your phone. And that's it.
1: Yeah. So without WhatsApp, you couldn't do it. I, I think we WhatsApp need to give is, a shout out yeah, to WhatsApp. WhatsApp I, I don't know how anyone did anything before WhatsApp, but... You are in many ways a tech business. Yes I think and, we are. Yeah. Yes and no. Because I think that's... Our, our entire... Or, or most of our business is technology. It happens through technology. Mm-hmm. So we take payments from people in Australia through technology. We send orders to, you know, warehouses through technology. They get dispatched. We never see the orders they get dispatched to people um, through technology. It's all, you know, it's a... a, But none of that is stuff we've written. It's amazing what is out there in the ecosystem that you can just go, right, I need an e-commerce platform. Right, I'll go to Shopify. The reason we could build a website in two hours is because Shopify is so awesome. You go, I would like a theme for my shop. Or here's one, which is one page. I've got some images. Put my images on. Put my product in. Done. Two hours. And you're up and running. And it's not... I did no coding. I did nothing. That wasn't me because I'm some super tech god. Anyone can build a website in two hours on Shopify. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to sort of the courier stuff, there's, we've got an off-the-shelf order management system, integrates with Shopify, integrates with couriers on the back end, handles all of the label printing, everything like that. Again, off-the-shelf, it's a cloud service, you pay per month, no servers, no IT department, no you know backup tapes mm-hmm. or anything like that. Because we're living in an awesome internet age.
0: So we're at the end of the pod where we ask for your wisdom specifically to take away for people who are in a similar position to you. But I'm going to do it slightly differently this time because there's two areas that I am particularly interested to hear about. One is, what is your advice, Brie, for people who are doing that, that social advertising, that Facebook campaign, the Instagram campaigns, what, what led you to be so much more successful than where other people have been? And Tom, for you, someone I know who is particularly anti-authority for everything or being told what to do, how do you deal with the fact that being a digital business, you are never away from it? It's good that you've got to be, you're constantly being you're always needing to respond and deal with that particular thing. So your freedom is being kind of taken away, but also given to you. So we'll cover that in a second. But firstly, Brie, tell me, what is your advice to people to make those campaigns successful? It's the
2: biggest thing that people don't do with Facebook campaigns that they should is test. So, you know, you have the ability to have 50 different ads in every ad set. If you're not testing 50 different ads every single time, you're wasting opportunity. So, You know, we max out every single ad set we can possibly get with all sorts of different creatives, with different imagery, with different text, with different formats. And as you go through that, you start to understand what ones work better. And then you reiterate those ones again with more variants. So it's a continual improvement Methodology to Facebook ads and if you keep doing that you get to a better and better position as well as reading all of the comments that you get on them, looking at your relevancy scores, looking at the amount that Facebook is actually finding the ads to be successful and from that you can start to create some really great campaigns at scale and then it's also making sure that you're monitoring all of the metrics so as soon as they go off the boil you're able to refresh restart create a new campaign that will then take the majority you know of the spend of the last one to to do it consistently or to increase your actual audience size again so we don't do a huge amount of um super targeted ads because i don't think they really work in the algorithm anymore so it's all about being wide and letting people's behavior dictate what they get as opposed to you know trying to go oh i want a lady called sue who's you know age between 24 and 30 who likes sausage dogs
0: you know? actually i do know that woman and she she is a tight spire but yeah it's irrelevant now yeah yeah i mean that's uh, let's carry on, yeah.
1: i think having have watched Bree do this for for like nearly two years i my view is people massively over mytholo- mythologize facebook ads so, so basically, if you break down what Brie does with Facebook ads, she makes ads that are really clear about what they're selling. So you have a picture of the product, then you have some words that are, this is the product, it costs this much, it's a nice product. I mean, very, there's no sort of super complex copy or anything like that. It's just be extremely clear to people what the product is, what it does, why it would make their life better. And then you target it, but again... We will go out, we started out, we've run campaigns to women for for snacks. So you start at a super broad level. And then when the, when you find stuff that doesn't work, you follow the data. And when you find stuff that doesn't work, you turn it off. And that's all she does. There isn't like some sort of... I've read, you know, blog articles where people are going, oh, if you launch your campaigns in a new business manager at exactly three minutes past midnight. I've I've genuinely read an article like this going at exactly three minutes past midnight. You get like a super boost from the algorithm and it makes people buy. And you're like, the Facebook algorithm doesn't buy anything. It doesn't make people do anything. Mm. It shows ads to people. And if your ad is crap, people won't buy from it. If your website is crap people won't buy from it.
2: But I think moreover, if your product is crap, people don't buy, right? There's this belief that, you know, Facebook ads will sell anything and people think that they can go out there with any product and, you know, put a couple of Facebook ads out and they'll be able to sell them. And it's like, if the product you start with is crap, you're not going to be able to sell it at all. Mm. And, you know, you see quite a lot of people that go, you know, it take at least a month, two months before you see your final results on your Facebook ads before you know if it works or not. It doesn't. I mean, you know whether or not it's going to work in 24 hours. I mean, yeah. And if it's not going to work, you know, eventually you need to go, it's your product. It's not, you know, it's not you. And at the agency, we had to, one particular time we had to do that to a company and say, look, you know, guys, like we're doing everything right here, but you know, it's, it's not going to work because your product isn't isn't good and you know unless you change that there's no marketing in the world that's gonna be able to save it you know
0: yeah that's that's really fascinating and again it comes back to that data driven approach to something and just being absolutely relentless in just looking for the truth okay thank you i can take a lot of It's actually got my, my brain going wild thinking about that um and tom the question for you how how do you deal with the that dichotomy where you have the, the, the freedom of being entirely digital. You work when you want, but at the same time, the trapping of never really being offline.
1: Stop looking at it. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I don't, for me, I, I, I could never go and work for anyone else again. I could never work in any kind of structured environment again. I, can, I, struggle, I would struggle to work in an office, even that we ran in terms of, you've got to be in this place 40 hours a week. You work when you work when you feel it. When you're not feeling it, you walk away from it. You put your phone down. It'll be there when you come back to it. Um, I mean, I think probably it's worse for people who work with us, particularly me. Sabri so keeps pretty sociable hours. She doesn't get up till about eleven if she's given the choice but anyone who works for me is waking up and there's like 500 WhatsApp notifications because I've got up at six in the morning and being like, oh, we need, this, yes. we need to do this and we need to do this and we need to do this and we need to do this. I'm
2: sorry, when was the last time you got up at six in the morning?
1: Uh, that may, may have changed. But, it depends you know. which time zone. Um, but like weekends, like, like there is. I mean, I mean, it, there's, there's genuine trade-offs to this. So so the people who work for us don't have to come to an office, they don't have to get dressed, you know we don't monitor the hours they work, but we're going to be messaging you Saturday, Sunday, if that's what's important. And, and if it's something important, we're going to expect you to respond. And I think it genuinely comes down to either that works for you as as a lifestyle, as a way of working, and you embrace it, or it doesn't, and you need very, you know, some people, I think, need that that segmentation to be able to go, I am in work now, and then switch off and go, I'm out of work. When I had when I had a normal job, um, I'd still be thinking about it. You know, I'd, I'd think about it at home. I'd spend, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it it didn't matter. And then I'd go to work and I'd think about like football or ancient history or, yeah. you know, I could spend eight hours sitting in an office environment and contribute nothing to anything related to the work. So yeah. I think it's just personality type.
0: No, yeah, I get it. And I think it's good advice. I think the, the point I take away from that is like you just got to pick the right style that works for you, like. And if you do, if you start your own company and you work like that, you got to accept that like work needs to be. There isn't a timetable. If you want that freedom, if you if it means working on a Saturday, it's just another day. Yeah, but I
2: think it is giving yourself permission. So I okay, I don't have um, email notifications. So I turned them off like two years ago and. Email, I'll do when I'm in an email mindset and I won't look at it any other time. WhatsApp, I keep notifications on so that, you know, I can be involved in all of the direct stuff that we have. I know if there's an emergency, someone will WhatsApp me about yeah, it. And yeah. I think then you have the, you know, you need to put some, I don't know, techniques in place that work for you. Like if I got notification for every email I get, I would go insane. Um, yeah. So it's, it, you know, I th- I it th- th- about th- the
1: way you the do it. other thing... Um, and I'm going to go a little bit techie here, is that we have become entirely asynchronous in our communications. So both of us now point blank will not answer the phone no. and will not respond to voicemails. No. And when I think, again, when I think back to my normal job, I was super synchronous. If someone rang me, I'd be on it because the whole point of my job was communicating with those people and looking like I was busy. Mm-hmm. So being on the phone, I, I, I would be on the phone eight hours a day. Um, and it looked like I was busy. Whereas now, because you're not interested in looking busy, you look interested in getting stuff done. Someone ringing you is like the least efficient way to get anything done. You're gonna consume 10 minutes of money. I'm gonna to have to say hello. I'm gonna ask how your kids are. We're gonna have a little chat about the weather. Eventually, you're gonna get around to the point. You're gonna beat around the bush. Then I'm gonna to have to um an ah uh, because I haven't because you've just blindsided me with it. I've no idea what you're going on about. So I, then I'm gonna to have to like extemporise while I think of an answer. Then you're gonna discuss it some more. or you can send me a one-line WhatsApp message. I'll have a think about it. I'll get back to you. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I agree. No, great guys. I mean, look, it's you. You blow my mind. I've I've really enjoyed this time, and you your your attitude of looking at the data, quest, constantly questioning why thinking this can be done better and then changing it. You are evidence of that wonderful sort of <laughs> movie style um, notion of, look, all you need is a laptop and an idea and you can create a successful business. You've absolutely delivered on that. I wish you guys every luck going forward and I'm sure we're going to be hearing more from you every single day. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you.